Welcome to Ask the Educator, a podcast brought to you by Healthmark Industries. Are you a sterile processing technician or manager? Maybe you work in infection prevention or biomedical engineering. Whether you're a frontline tech, endoscopy tech, OR nurse, or surgical services administrator, you undoubtedly have influence in medical device processing at your facility. In each episode, we speak with experts from the Healthmark Clinical Affairs team, industry leaders, or special guests from the trenches to answer your questions and bring you relevant industry information, equipping you for excellence in medical device processing. My name is Kevin Anderson, and I will be your host. Now let's get started. Hey, everybody. This is Kevin Anderson, host of the Ask the Educator podcast, brought to you by Healthmark Industries. And joining me as co-host on this episode is Adam Okada. Adam, uh, thanks again for joining me as co-host again. And uh, we have our guest of honor, if you will, is Sharon Rojo. Thank you as well for showing up on the episode. You just recently did an international webinar, and we're going to kind of get into that a little bit because there's a lot of substance there, and we wanted to cover it a little bit on the podcast as well. Well, thank you, Adam and Kevin for having me on. All right, man. So the international webinar you just did, was the culmination of a lot of hard work regarding insulation testing. And so I wanted to just give you a brief moment here to kind of give us the high level points of what was covered in that webinar and what was covered over all of this work that you've done. So, well, the study was an eight month study that I performed in 2019. So pre-COVID and I would have kept going, but then we had a pandemic. <laughs> so it ended up being eight months. I was hoping to get a year worth. And I didn't know I was going to do a study, to be honest. I thought this data I was collecting was going to just write a standard article. Wasn't too sure where. And I sat on the information for just a little bit, a few months. And then my daughter ended up having a lap appy. And when that happened, that changed my perspective of what I was going to do with the data I had and where it was going to go. So she ended up having this lap appy in September of 2020. Then when they asked my concerns, the surgeon, you know, right before the procedure, you know, and I asked about insulation testing, magnification, a variety of things, you know, it wasn't being performed at that specific facility at all. And that obviously scared me, not as an SPD professional, but as a parent. I decided to do the procedure because some of the numbers or the data in that study was in some local hospitals. So I knew that if I went anywhere else, I was going to have the same problem, if not possibly worse. So ended up doing the procedure. Everything went fine until about six days, seven days later, my daughter started to have complications, vomiting, jaundice, fever, everything. And when I rushed her back to the facility, of course, I had a lot of anxiety of, oh my gosh, there's internal burns, internal burns. And, you know, what attorney am I going to get? To be honest, as a parent, I'm thinking we're going to go there. And it turned out that it wasn't the case of internal burns, that it all the infection had not been taken out, but it was to me a near miss. And I needed to make sure that this situation could have been someone else's child and it could have been internal burns that didn't happen to anybody else. So I took the data and decided that I wanted to do my fellowship for HSPA because I knew that when someone gets their fellowship, they actually publish the data 
which would be the target audience, which is what I wanted. So that's really why I did it. It wasn't for my fellowship. It was actually, I knew I would be able to get into HSBA Process Magazine, which ended up getting the January, February issue of 2022. So that's actually what started it. So I took two weeks off of work in December of that year. I had two weeks off of school because I was a full-time student during the time. And that's when I just got it, collected it, wrote that paper. That's really an incredible story because we think about these things in kind of an abstract and sterile processing that we know that there are patients on the other end of what we do. But when you're a parent and your child goes in for surgery, it's a whole different feeling, right? And that data that we look at becomes very, very real. So what kind of research and what kind of uh, things did you do for this study to get all these, this incredible data that you have and you presented at that webinar? So I started off with having a insulation tester that was more sensitive. So I talked about in the webinar about insulation testers are like cars, right? So they're cars, they all drive, but you can have a Toyota, which is a great car. I've had Toyotas. But it's limited to what it can do to, let's say, a Buick that's in the middle to what a Tesla can do. So obviously, there's different prices in your cars, right? Um, so testers, installation testers are, are the same thing. So if, you're ha- if you have a Toyota, great. I'm glad you're using an installation tester that can test. But you do have to look at the sensitivity. And so I picked the Tesla, per se. And then I had an enhanced magnification microscope with me to be able to look at the root cause and the type of damage. So it's one thing to catch the damage, but then what damage is it? And then where is that coming from? And found out very quickly that it was a lot of, it was over what, eight different factors in the damage. The biggest one being staging and decontam was the biggest, I think, culprit out of all of it. So really it was just me, my tester, my backpack, (laughs) and my head's inspection, and just going to facilities and randomly just, you know, hey, can I have some of your backup? Can I have a sterile tray? A lot of the facilities, I was pleased to to know that they were testing, but they either didn't have a sensitive tester or they didn't have the technique meaning they were going too fast, you know, the whole story, right? Not enough in inventory, didn't have the time to perform, inspect, even inspection alone, not even testing, just to inspect their instrument. So that's really what I had, backpack installation tester, enhanced inspection, and myself. Well, I think we've all been in departments now. We're fortunate to get to visit all these different areas where you just kind of commonly see what people do as they just kind of go down their list and they string the instruments on their stringer or they put things on there. And there is, to your point, very little emphasis on inspection. And I've been also to facilities where I've directly asked management if everyone is testing insulation every single time where they said that they were. But in reality, I was observing other people putting laparoscopic trays together, you know, with insulation and there was only one insulation tester in the department and my eyes were on it. So I knew that they weren't using it. So it was just interesting that you mentioned that because sometimes we think if we have the device and we tell and teach our people how and why to use it, that they're going to use it. Sometimes we need to audit those practices. We need to make sure that we're laying eyes on it and making sure that it's actually happening. But To that point as well, I think that's part of the reason why the standards have been recently updated. They're trying to help push these practices along because it is a huge patient safety concern. 
So along those lines, what do you think is the most common reason for hospitals not complying with the standards on insulation testing? Uh, the first one that stands out that I, I keep seeing even today with the new study that I'm writing is education. They don't know what they're supposed to be looking for. They don't know what damage is. They don't know how to use the insulation tester they have. They don't even know if the accessories they have are even damaged or if the insulation tester hasn't been checked in five years and that's okay because they didn't know whether it was usually calibration that needs to be performed on that insulation tester. So I think education, you know, it, you know, it's kind of like this, you know, you don't know if you have a problem, if everything is bad because it's always been bad and you just don't know. I, I see that a lot, especially with the new study, you know, all the instruments have a bad repair job. All the instruments have a huge gap at the distal tip with bio burden and all the instruments look like that. So if they all look like that, then I guess that's okay because they all look like that. Even your backup looks like that. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's education. Education is big. The lack of education. Absolutely. I mean, that is always going to be the issue with all of these types of things. Insulation testers, boroscopes, all of that kind of stuff. You can put it in the department and you can show your staff, here's how to use it. But unless they know what they're looking for and unless they know how to troubleshoot when things go wrong, I thought the really one of the really cool things in your webinar was the insulation tester that was not working at all. You plugged it in, it would, the light went on, but when it went, the wand went over the instrument, nothing happened. And that's, you know, that was a tester people were using thinking it was working properly when it wasn't. So, I mean, how do we get more education to the staff as far as uh, showing them how their insulation testers work? How do these different attachments work for the different instruments? How do we, how do, how can we get that to the staff more? I think we need to start with the amendments. So let's rewind a little bit. I think, you know, the anti-Amy SC 79 amendment two that came out January 20th of 2021, I think starting there, because that alone, and Adam, you were involved in that. Those are my pictures in SD 79. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. So there's six pages in there. And I think starting from there and then after looking at those standards and recommendations, then reaching out to your vendor of your insulation tester, and then even reaching out to your repair vendor and reaching out to your instrument, laparoscopic, bipolar forceps, bipolar scissors, your cables, those vendors, because it really takes a village here to identify so many different things. A tester being broken or knowing how to work that is one thing, but then the instrument, I don't know if it's, you know, efficient or not. I don't know if there's supposed to be a gap or no gap. So I think it really takes all of us, but you need to start with the amendment first and then work your way up, right? And then you'll have a better picture of how to fix the problem now and then how to maintain that. Because that's going to be a whole different ballgame is maintaining that. A lot of education, though. This is, this is really what this is going to come down to. Yeah, Sharon, that's a good point. We're doing our we're trying to do our part between the podcast, the webinar. I think this might be our second, third, maybe even our fourth podcast, kind of touching on the subject matter. And when you go around and you see things not happening properly or not happening at all in relation to insulation testing, you have to take your daughter in for surgery. Uh, you just can't help yourself to try and speak to this issue so important in our industry and for uh, the safety of the patients that the understanding is reaching everybody, whether it's infection prevention, quality, safety departments, even administration, so that people can get the resources they need. Hopefully, 
through all these podcasts and webinars and are traveling around and visiting all these departments, we're helping to maybe even save some lives out there in the future. But I did want to give you just a couple minutes or last word on this subject matter. Like, what would be, you know, the one point you would really want to drive home for people that are listening, both here on the podcast and also obviously with your recent international webinar? I would stress that education is always key when it comes to protecting not just your patients, but your team. You know, even with the latest study I'm working on and just recent FDA mod reports, which is a reporting system of near misses and on patient care equipment and even toothbrushes. I mean, all kinds of stuff is in there. You know, with just that research, there's been cases where surgeons have burned their hands right through their glove. So we can't just look at our patients. We have to look at our surgical team because there's been cases where fires have happened and it wasn't just the patient got burned. It was the scrub tech and the surgeon. And so I would like to really end with taking the time and understand that your patients that come through are going to be your community, your neighbors, your friends, and possibly your family and you. Just remember that. Yeah, that's a great point, uh, Sharon, to always have that in our minds, especially because it is so easy to go into work, punch in and just kind of get to work and not think too much about the patient that may be on a table and in a whole nother department, whole nother room. And the fact that that could at any time be a family member. I appreciate all the work you did. That was a lot of work to put together both the webinar, the paper, all of that stuff. That was huge. I think it was a tremendous testimony to the work that you did, that you were able to submit it for a fellowship to HSPA, let alone just getting published in the first place. So kudos to you uh, on that. And uh, I'm proud to call you a teammate here at Healthmark and work alongside with you. I think some of that data you even collected out of my department. So <laughs> I'll take I'll take a little bit of credit. Just a, just a little bit of credit. No, <laughs> no, it's not. Well, you're going to have to have me back, guys, because this next study is going to be bigger. This study was only four states and seven facilities in eight months. The new study is a year and it's 47 facilities. Oh, my gosh. And over, I would say, if I was to guess, maybe eight states. Tremendous. So, and it's even worse. The data oh my is even So have, have me back guys when I'm done. All right. Let's go on a crusade <laughs> and get people t- uh, testing insulated items and uh, make sure it's getting done and we can push that percentage up. Huh? All right. Well, thank you so much, Ron, as always. And thank you, Adam, for helping me out on the podcast. Please, if you haven't, go check out the international webinar. Sharon goes much more in depth on this topic please don't miss out. Please remember to share it uh, with your team, with others, through social media, through any avenue necessary. This is extremely important information. And as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you, guys. All opinions expressed on this show are those of the presenters. Before using any medical device, it is important to review the device manufacturer's instructions for use.